Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, August 12th, 2022. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell, and as always, if you're listening to this, that means you made it through another week, and margaritas are in order. And every week I try to tell you a reason why you should go get yourself a pitcher of margaritas at the end of the day on Friday, as if you need another fucking reason other than it's Friday and the work week is over, but... Uh, I, I don't know. Pick a reason. Festival season's in full swing. Kids are going back to school. I, whatever. Just go get yourself some margaritas. Get yourself some pitchers of margaritas. I suggest multiple frozen and strawberry. Uh, I said festival season is back in order. Uh, back in, in, in season. It, it, this is the time of year when small towns are throwing their, 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 their annual carnivals and festivals. and Everybody's got a different name for it. Ours here in town is the Three Rivers Fest. I live in a town called Shanahan, Illinois. No, not S-H-A-N-N. C-H-A-N-N-A-H-O-N. And it's a Native American word meaning where the waters meet. Uh, In my town of Shanahan, we have an absolute shitload of water everywhere, including uh, a few different rivers. The Kankakee River, the Des Plaines River, and the DuPage River all meet right here in Shanahan, to form the Illinois River. Hence the meaning of the name, the meeting of the waters, Shanahan. And as a result, our annual festival, our annual carnival, is called the Three Rivers Fest. And that is going on right now. Now, I normally record my podcast on Thursday to air on Friday. I'm recording it Friday morning. Uh, So I'm going to the carnival tonight. Uh, that's when my son's friend's available to meet him and run around the carnival terrorizing the local citizenry. So uh, this evening uh, I'll be in the bingo hall or the bingo tent over at the local festival because I am 112 years old and I just don't want to walk around the carnival. So we're going to slap a bracelet on the boy, one of those uh, uh, get onto every ride uh, unlimited bracelets and let him go run the carnival uh, with his friend and uh, hopefully they don't uh, cause too much damage. Um, another reason to start drinking margaritas this Friday is school starts next week. Yes. Yes. Next Wednesday, August 17th, uh, my son gets on a school bus for the first time to head off to fifth grade. And my daughter, Lily, gets moved back into her dorm at her campus up at IMSA in Aurora. And school officially uh, goes into full swing once again. So, whether it be school starting, your town throwing a festival, or, or it's just fucking Friday. I don't care what your reason is. Just get yourself a pitcher of margaritas and tie one on. And, and if you don't like margaritas, get yourself some beer. Get yourself some whiskey. Have a 7 and 7. Or just do like I do and smoke some herb. It's going to be okay. All right? All right. Now, before we jump into the shit we're going to talk about this week, let me quickly do the housekeeping for the new people like I do every week. If this is the first time you're listening to my podcast, if you're finding me for the very first time, a couple of things you need to know. One, this is obviously an amateur podcast. I'm a retired landscaper doing this for shits and giggles. I'm doing it in my home office with my laptop and a $100 mic I bought off of Amazon. It's not done in a studio. It's not edited and mixed. Uh, You're going to hear background noise. You're going to hear the dogs bark. You're going to hear the the landscaper come. You're going to hear shit that you wouldn't normally hear in a podcast. Just roll with it. It's not meant to be a finished, polished product. It's meant to be like two people sitting on the deck shooting the shit. Uh, The second thing you need to know if you're finding me for the very first time is my website, if you haven't already found it. It's oldhippymedia.com. That's oldhippiemedia.com. And what are you going to find at Old Hippie Media? Just about anything you want to know about me. Uh, My blog is there. Uh, You're going to find links on where you can follow me on the various social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so forth, so on. Uh, You're going to find a link to my e-commerce store. Yes, I have merch, over 400 items to choose from, T-shirts and stickers and magnets and phone cases and aprons and wine tumblers and coasters and Christmas ornaments and fucking you name it, I got it. You're going to find a link on where you can buy my first two books. Yes, I write books and self-publish them. I have two self-published so far. They are entitled A Grateful Life, The Life Story of a Husband, Father, and Taco-Loving Deadhead, and Dearest Renee, Letters from the Coronavirus War of 2020, available in paperback and ebook formats. 
You're going to find a link on where you can book me on Cameo. If you want me to do a video shout-out to somebody, you want me to tell somebody happy birthday, congratulations on the promotion, or just tell them that their football team sucks, I can do that on Cameo. And you're going to find a link on where you can subscribe to my Patreon subscription service. I have a monthly subscription service. If you like what I do here, which is free and every Friday, I do bonus podcast episodes on Patreon every other week. I call it Taco Tuesdays with Tom. And that uh, is material that can only be heard on Patreon. And the price for that is $4.20 a month. If you know, you know. Once again, that's all at oldhippymedia.com. And we're going to stop talking about that now because I do not like to turn the entire podcast into a giant commercial. We're here to talk about other shit, so let's go ahead and talk about other shit. Now, this podcast is where I talk about politics. Patreon is my non-political podcast. Here, I talk about politics. But I'm going to start this week with a non-political news story because it is a, it's a news story of cultural significance for my generation at a minimum. And that would be the fact that we lost Olivia Newton-John this week. Now, I'm not the kind of person that gets emotional and tears up and, and, and gets, you know, I can't believe they're gone. Uh, when somebody that is a celebrity from my generation passes. And I didn't do that with Olivia Newton-John. But it is worthy to note the passing of Olivia Newton-John because of her cultural significance. From, from her song, Let's Get Physical, to her role in Xanadu, to her role that most people know her for, which is Sandy in Greece, she was a cultural icon for men and women alike of my generation as well as other generations. But this one is one of those deaths that makes people of my generation go, wow, we are getting older. We, we lost Sandy from Greece, for fuck's sake. And no matter what you think of any celebrity when they eventually pass, you never want to see anybody have to battle breast cancer for as long as she had. She's been battling breast cancer for years. You know, this isn't like she was diagnosed 16 months ago and then had, had a tough battle and ultimately passed away. She's been battling breast cancer for years. And nobody should have to go through that. Nobody. So to the family and friends of Olivia Newton-John, uh, you have... The condolences from the Powell clan, for sure, and uh, to fellow Gen Xers everywhere, I feel you, right? This one, this one stung a little bit. This one is one of those realization deaths, like it's, it's, it's creeping up. We're going to start losing more and more people that we grew up with, unfortunately. Such is the nature of life. All right, uh, there really is no way to segue out of that story into a political story, so I'm not even going to try. We're just going to switch gears. And I'm going to at least throw at you a promising political headline in a world otherwise on fire. Voters in Missouri, not Missouri's elected officials, will decide the future of legal recreational cannabis usage this November. Missouri voters will have the chance to legalize cannabis use for adults with this week's announcement from state officials that a proposed initiative to legalize recreational marijuana has qualified for the ballot for the November general election. Missouri Secretary of State John Ashcroft announced Tuesday that petitions submitted to put the ballot measure known as Initiative 2022-059 had received the required number of signatures from registered voters. Referring to the 38-page-long initiative, Ashcroft suggested that voters take care when deciding its fate in this fall's election. Quote, I encourage Missourians to study and educate themselves on any ballot initiative. He went on to say, Initiative 2022-059 that voters will see on the November ballot is particularly lengthy and should be given careful consideration. Now, I may or may not agree with this gentleman's politics, but at the end of the day, what he said in this generalized form holds true for everybody in every state concerning every ballot initiative. You should take the time to familiarize yourself with ballot initiatives that are going to be on your ballot before you get to the polling location. Know what you're voting on before you're trying to figure it out in the ballot box. 
So, allow me to assist in any way that I can. I'm going to tell you about this ballot initiative to give you some generalized uh, 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 information about it. We're going to look at it from the 35,000 foot uh, view, if, if, I, if I could, please. If passed, this initiative would actually amend the Missouri Constitution to legalize the possession of, of marijuana for uh, people 21 years of age or older and allow adults to purchase up to three ounces of marijuana at a time. The measure would also allow adults to obtain a registration card to cultivate marijuana at home with a cap of six mature plants, six immature plants, and six clones. The ballot measure would levy a 6% sales tax on recreational marijuana with some revenue dedicated to the implementation of provisions for the automatic expungement of convictions for past marijuana-related offenses. Additional funds generated by taxes on recreational marijuana would be used for substance abuse programs, health care for veterans, and Missouri's public defender system. Now, I still encourage you to go read it, but these are the bullet points. This is basically what, it'll, what it would do. It'll legalize the marijuana usage. You can, you can possess up to three uh, ounces at a time. You can grow six mature plants, six immature plants, and six clones at a time. You're going to pay 6% sales tax, and the money's going to go towards expungement of old records uh, uh, to be used to help you in the public defender system, uh, uh, to uh, further substance abuse programs, and to provide more health care for veterans in the state of Missouri. I, after reading this initiative, would encourage you to vote yes on it, but I encourage you to, uh, to read it first. If you're in Missouri, read the entire 38 pages, familiarize yourself with it, and then vote accordingly. In my opinion, it is long past time that we do away with the federal prohibition that has been in place for decades now. We have seen far too many people incarcerated and a massive shift of personal wealth from the hands of the citizenry to the hands of the powers that be for the possession and consumption of a plant that the powers that be are now making billions of dollars off of in the form of tax revenue. And if we can't get it done on the federal level, then we need to start continuing to chip away at the, at the state level, which we've been doing. I live in a, a legal state that's been legal since 2020. But it needs to be legal across the board. I want to live in a world where growing your own marijuana at home is every bit as accepted and chic as brewing your own craft beer at home. And that's what we need to get towards. And Illinois, uh, specifically Illinois Democrats, where I live, need to pay attention to their extraordinarily red neighbors in Missouri. Because here in Illinois, while we passed at the time, when it was passed in 2019, one of the most progressive legalization bills in the country, we are still lagging severely behind other states. Here in Illinois, for recreational purposes, we can only possess one ounce. Missouri is on the verge of being allowed uh, to possess three ounces. We have a 10% sales tax on flour. They're going to initiate a 6%. Actually, we have a tiered tax system here in Illinois. 10% on flour, bud. The, the shit you typically think of when you think of marijuana. 10% on that. 20% on edibles. 25% on concentrates, if you're going to dab. Uh, additionally, here in Illinois, if you're a recreational user, you can't grow any plants at home. You can grow up to five plants if you have a medical card. But none if you're a recreational user. And the very red state of Missouri is on the verge of out-progressing Illinois in the world of marijuana. You can grow six immature plants, six mature plants, six clones, pay a 6% sales tax, and possess three ounces of marijuana if passed. Uh, Illinois Democrats, pay attention. It is time we adjust our laws. Okay? Let me know if you need some help. With that one, Illinois Democrats, I'd be more than happy to get on the phone with you any day of the week. I've got plenty of time. <sighs> All right, switch gears, and let's talk about um, the world of semiconductors. Uh, this week, uh, President Biden signed into law the CHIPS Act. 
the legislation would provide $10 billion to invest in regional technology hubs across the country and a 25% investment tax credit for expenses for manufacturing of semiconductors and related equipment. It would also authorize roughly $100 billion in spending over five years on scientific research, including more than $80 billion from the national, uh, for the National Science Foundation. I will now read to you from Yahoo Finance. Biden called the act, quote, a once-in-a-generation investment in America itself, end quote, that would bring jobs back to the U.S. and lower costs for consumers. Biden also shared news that Micron Technology, the manufacturer of memory chips, would invest $40 billion over 10 years in U.S.-based manufacturing. The company said that the investment would create 40,000 jobs here in the United States. But the Idaho-based Micron also delivered a far more sombering message in a regulatory filing that same day, warning investors that its fourth quarter sales would come in on the low end, if not below, previous forecasts. Micron had earlier predicted sales of $7.2 billion, which was already lower than the $9.1 billion predicted by analysts. For much of the COVID pandemic, semiconductors, tiny chips that powered not just computers and smartphones, but cars, home appliances, and countless other electronic devices, were in short supply as stuck-at-home consumers bought more devices to get them through lockdown. So we saw a surge of people buying electronic devices, and that has now come down. The shortage paralyzed manufacturing, but also led to record profits for chip maker companies. But now chip CEOs are worried that an oversupply of chips will drag down sales and profits for the rest of 2022, and 2023 will lag. Consumers returning to normal life in this stage of the pandemic and worried about inflation are buying fewer consumer electronic devices, lowering demand for semiconductors that power them. Semiconductor sales will increase only 7.4% this year, predicts consulting firm Gartner, far below the 26% growth reported in 2021. Other U.S.-based chip manufacturers are struggling as well. On Monday, NVIDIA slashed its revenue guidance for the current quarter by 17%, led by a 33% decline in gaming-related revenue. NVIDIA will officially publish its publish its uh, second quarter earnings on August 28th, so we don't have the official earnings. They're just giving you a forecast at this point in time. Intel earlier reported a net loss of $454 million for the second quarter of 2022 and warned that PC sales would fall by 10% this year. Asian chipmakers have largely, largely weathered the demand slowdown better than their U.S. counterparts. TSMC reported a record 76.4% year-on-year increase in second-quarter profits. Korean chipmaker SK Hynix also reported a 56% year-on-year increase in profits in the second quarter. But even Asian chipmakers are warning that demand is softening, and in its second-quarter earnings call, TSMC told investors that its customers might work through their stockpiles built up during the shortage rather than place new orders. SK Hynix is also reporting, uh, reportedly considering shrinking its 2023 capital expenditure plans, uh, owing uh, it to the expected drop-off in demand as well. Basically what this all means is as follows. We saw a massive surge in people buying electronic devices when they were stuck at home. People were buying computers, people were buying phones, people were buying tablets, people were buying all kinds of shit to get them through the, uh, the, the, the COVID lockdown. In addition to that, people were not spending their disposable income the way they normally spend their disposable income. People weren't going to the restaurant, they weren't going to the bar, they weren't going to concerts and sporting events because there were none to go to. So then they started spending that money in other ways. They started buying TVs and computers and things of that nature. And as a result, the demand for these semiconductors spiked to the roof and they started cranking out semiconductors. You're going to be able to see evidence of this shortage when you look at car lots. 
there are a lot of semiconductors that go into cars, and they couldn't get them for the longest time, and therefore their lots are empty. They're, they're, they're selling cars still right now that they don't have, that are on order. But now everybody's going back to work. People are worried about uh, an upcoming recession. There's inflation involved, and so they're ordering less shit. And now the, the chip makers are like, fuck, what do we do? Well, you, you adjust. You improvise. You adapt. You overcome. You burn through your stockpile. You start offering some fucking deals on some stuff to get people back in the door buying your shit. And then you crank it back up again when uh, demand goes back to normal. But in the meantime, you're going to have to adjust. It's just that simple. However, for everybody listening to this, what it could mean for you and I is as the economy overall does not necessarily continue to improve throughout the fall and this demand stays in place and they've got an ass load of chips that they're sitting at, it could mean deals on things that require these chips. It could mean as we get into that Black Friday type of, of, of shopping season, really amazing deals on things like tablets and computers. Could mean. I'm not saying it's going to. I'm saying it's could. Just pay attention to the prices of the electronic devices that require these semiconductors and start watching to see if they begin to come down in the next few weeks, the next couple of months. Because if they do, by the time we hit Black Friday, there should be able to be some really good deals to be had. I know I will be looking at iPad mini deals as Black Friday approaches. So just a heads up for everybody out there that might be looking for a new computer, phone, or iPad before the end of the year. Okay? Now, once you get your new phone, computer, or iPad, you're going to do what? Right? The first thing you're going to do is you're going to find my podcast and you're going to subscribe to it. You're going to find my Patreon service and you're going to subscribe to that. And you're going to find my social media account, specifically my TikTok account, and you're going to follow me there. But once you do all of that, you need to be careful about what you do on those devices. Specifically, what you do on those devices in regards to social media. We've known for a long time that social media companies work with uh, law enforcement agencies on a wide range of issues. But peep this story. Nebraska police officers charged a mother and daughter with felonies for an alleged illegal abortion. According to local reports, the investigation by Norfolk Police Department included a search warrant that it issued for the messages between Jessica Burgess and her daughter, Celeste, in which they discussed getting Celeste an abortion pill days before she claimed she had a stillbirth. Facebook's parent company, Meta, issued a statement titled, quote, correcting the record on Meta's involvement in Nebraska case, end quote, claiming it was never told anything about the involvement of an abortion. Quote, we received valid legal warrants from local law enforcement on June 7 before the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs v. Jackson, Women's Health Organization. The warrants did not mention abortion at all, the statement said. The statement continued saying, quote, court documents indicate that police were at the same time investigating the alleged illegal burning and burial of a stillborn infant. The warrants were accompanied by non-disclosure orders, which prevented us from sharing information about them. The orders have now been left lifted, end quote. Police had initially only charged the woman with offenses related to the disposal of the fetus. As court records reportedly said, Celeste told detectives she gave birth to a stillborn baby in the shower. The investigation had begun in April after a Norfolk police detective received a tip that Celeste had a miscarriage and buried the fetus with her mother, the Lincoln Journal Star reported. As for Meta's claim that it was served with a warrant prior to the Supreme Court's ruling of Dobbs v. Jackson's Women's Health Organization, the overturning of Roe v. Wade had nothing to do with the charges in this case. But they are a warning for future cases. Celeste was allegedly 23 weeks pregnant at the time. Nebraska's law banning abortion uh, at 20 weeks post-fertilization, 22 weeks after the mother's last period, had been on the books since 2010. So... People might hear that and go, so what exactly happened? A mother 
and daughter had a Facebook message thread in which they discussed the daughter's pregnancy and her need to get an abortion, her desire to get an abortion. The Nebraska police were tipped off to that conversation. They uh, obtained warrants. They obtained the private Facebook messages between a mother and daughter and then used that in their investigation to charge the people involved. So here's your warning. Don't use social media instant messages. Don't use it. Social media will work with law enforcement if presented with a warrant. They just will. Your private messages are not private. Your private messages between a mother and daughter, father and son, father and daughter, mother and son, two cousins, it doesn't matter. They will end up in the hands of police. And if you're talking about something, uh, especially in a red state, where they want to do away with that uh, legally, they are going to come after you. So find another way to communicate other than through social media. And this is not just on Facebook. This is Twitter. This is Instagram. This is Clapper. This is Snapchat. This is all of it. Find another way to communicate other than through these uh, social media messaging apps. Otherwise, you might find yourself charged with murder. Like these people. Because we now live in a regressive society in the United States of America. Uh, On a more positive note, having to do with phones and electronic devices and social media and messaging, uh, this week we saw Scott Perry's phone get seized by the feds. And that brings joy to my face. From Politico. Perry, who said this week that the FBI had seized his cell phone, has publicly tied the agency's actions to its search of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. There's no evidence the two are directly connected, and more details suggest that they're part of two separate investigations, but that's not going to stop him from promoting what is now his big lie. The FBI's handling of the Pennsylvania Republicans' Uh, uh, represents a rare step against a sitting member of Congress. But the seizure follows months of growing evidence of Perry's deep involvement in Trump's effort to overturn the 2020 election. And therein lies the point. That's what this is about, Tiger. It's not about the home, the raid in Mar-a-Lago. But way to start ramping people up about that. We're going to talk about that at the end of the podcast, by the way. Evidence doesn't point to his troubles being related to the FBI's effort to reclaim presidential records in any way, shape, or form. Perry's attorney, John Irving, said in a statement on Wednesday that the Justice Department informed them that the congressman was not a target of its investigation dealing with uh, Trump and the uh, documents. Quote, Representative Perry has directed us to cooperate with the Justice Department in order to ensure that it gets the information it is entitled to, but to also protect information that it is not entitled to, including communications that are protected under the Speech and Debate Clause of the United States Constitution and communications with counsel, Irving said. The Justice Department's Inspector General, whose office declined to comment, is taking the lead on the election subversion investigation. FBI agents acting on the Inspector General's behalf in June seized the phone of Attorney John Eastman, who is also connected to that effort. A Perry spokesperson did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The seizure of Perry's phone was related to the Inspector General's investigation uh, on January 6th, according to CNN, and though dozens of GOP lawmakers have been referenced in the January 6th Select Committee's investigation as aiding and amplifying Trump's attempt to cling to power, Perry's involvement stood apart, making it all more likely that this was a matter, uh, the matter behind his cell phone seizure. At the end of the day, every single thing that every single one of these elected Republicans uh, see come down the pipeline, uh, pipeline in regards to their actions on January 6th, they are now going to spin it and try to make it as something to deal with, like, the, the seizure of the documents at Trump's home. They're trying to make it seem like an FBI gone rogue. 
gone off the rails, out of control. They're coming for everybody. And we're going to talk about the raid in Mar-a-Lago, and once again, at the end of this podcast, and the effects it's already had. But this isn't it. Your phone was seized because you're a domestic terrorist sympathizer at a minimum, and it's time that assholes like you be made an example of. Everybody that was involved, everybody that was sympathetic and assisted or turned a blind eye to what was happening on January 6th need to lose their jobs, lose their voting rights, and at a minimum, sit down in jail for some period of time. And yes, that includes elected, currently sitting members of Congress. I don't care where the investigation leads, how high it leads, who's involved. Everybody involved with the attempted overthrow of the government of the United States of America should be locked up for some period of time and lose their right to vote. And if possible, deported from this country. Hell, they were born here, Tom. Where are you going to deport them to? Pick an island, drop them off. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. They aren't Americans. They don't give a fuck about the American way of life and the American rule of law. They don't fucking care. Lock them all up. Speaking of lock them all up, elsewhere in Trumplandia, things are getting progressively worse for Der Muskfuhrer. I bring to you this story from ABC News. A federal appeals panel unanimously ruled Tuesday that a House committee can access former President Donald Trump's tax records after a year-long legal battle. A three-judge panel of the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for Washington, D.C., agreed that the House Ways and Means Committee has the authority to obtain Trump's tax records from the Treasury Department, upholding a district court ruling from late last year. Trump's lawyers are all but certain to appeal this ruling because that's what Trump's uh, Trump's lawyers do. That's the Trump MO. Drag everything out in court and try to run out the clock. Well, I got news for you. This isn't some real estate dispute. This isn't some dispute about a casino or about some business you made somewhere. This is you fucking with the government now. And they're coming after you. They're going to get your tax records. They're going to bury you as a result of your tax records. And the longer you fight it, the more guilty it shows that you are. Tuesday's appeals court ruling is the latest twist in a multi-layer legal fight over his tax records. A federal judge in December tossed out Trump's lawsuit seeking to block the House panel from obtaining his tax returns, rejecting his claim that Congress had no legitimate need to look at his returns and that Congress was simply snooping around to embarrass him. House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal, Democrat from Massachusetts, lauded the appeals court, quote, long-anticipated, end quote, opinion, on Tuesday. Neil first requested copies of Trump's tax returns in April of 2019, a request the Treasury Department initially refused. Quote, with great patience, we followed the judicial process, and yet again, our position has been affirmed by the courts, Neil said in a statement. Quote, when we receive the returns, we will begin our oversight of the IRS's mandatory presidential audit program. Translation? You are not just going to have your taxes looked at by some IRS agents or some Snoopy reporters. Now, Congress is going to find out how badly you've been cheating on your taxes for the past 50 fucking years. Time to plead the fifth again, huh, Donnie? I don't know if you guys saw that one, but that was the sweetest bit of ironic news this week, is that Trump... Uh, uh, had to appear during a deposition in New York on Wednesday and ended up pleading the fifth more than 440 times. Wait till he's got to get called before Congress on these fucking taxes. All of a sudden, the man with the biggest brain and the best words isn't going to know what the fuck to say. Trump's lawyer, Ron Fischetti, told NBC News that the only question Trump answered was the one where he was asked what his name was. A spokesperson for the New York Attorney General's office confirmed 
to NBC News that Trump had invoked the fifth, but did not elaborate how many times he did so. The New York Times also spoke to Fischetti, who said that the deposition, which lasted around four hours with breaks in between, involved Trump saying, quote, same answer, end quote, over and over and over again and reiterating his Fifth Amendment plea. Quote, they asked a lot of questions about valuations and golf clubs and all that stuff, Fischetti told the Times. Fischetti also told the Times that Trump had to be talked out of answering questions from the New York Attorney General's office. Quote, he absolutely wanted to testify, and it took some very strong persuasion by me and some others to convince him, Fischetti said. And that's because Trump's lawyers are scared shitless of what he's going to say. He's a wild card. His own lawyers have no fucking clue what he's going to say when you put him on the stand. And the problem with Trump is, is he is incapable of telling the truth. Now, everybody lies. Everybody lies at some point in their life. Little white lies, protective lies, this, that, or the other. This man cannot tell the truth on anything he says. And he has no problem riffing off the cuff on a string of on-the-spot made-up lies. And he's too stupid, with all due respect... I'm sorry, that's the way to, to, to describe it. He's too stupid to realize he's digging himself a hole while he's digging himself a hole. Trump released a lengthy statement on Wednesday slamming James. Quote, I once asked, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Now I know the answer to that question. When your family, your company, and all the people in your orbit have become the targets of an unfounded, politically motivated witch hunt. This dude really needs some new fucking material. Supported by lawyers, prosecutors, and the fake news media, you have no choice. Oh, you have a choice. You always have a choice, Donnie. You always have a choice. This is America. You can testify if you want to. You can plead the fifth if you want to. It's your choice. After the deposition, Trump made a post on Truth Social declaring that he was leaving the Attorney General's office. Quote, a very professional meeting, have a fantastic company with great assets, very little debt, and lots of cash in all caps. Only in America! Exclamation point. This man, once again, is incapable of telling the truth. He's in debt up to his eyeballs. He's cash poor. And he can't get a fucking dime from an American bank. If he had great assets, no debt, and lots of cash, U.S. banks would be lining up to suck his balls in order to give him money. They would be fighting with each other over who gets to loan him a billion dollars this week. They aren't because his company is shit. His word is shit. His business model is shit. He's, he's nothing but that. And what amuses the fuck out of me, what cracks me up, is in this statement he goes, fantastic company with great assets, very little debt, yet he's on record as saying that he is the king of debt. His own supporters aren't going to see the hip, hip, hypocritical... First day with the new lips, Tom? Yeah. 14 more days. I'll be here two weeks. I don't know why that fuck I just tripped over my own tongue, but we're 38 minutes and 32 seconds into this podcast, and I'm not going back to start it all over again. So you're going to deal with that mistake. The bottom line is, if he was any kind of a businessman at all, he would be able to get lines of credit from American banks like they were going out of style, and he can't. There isn't a bank in America that would give him a buck to get a coffee because he's not good for it. Additionally, he's also the man that is on record as saying that if you are not guilty, you don't plead the fifth. Only mobsters plead the fifth. If you're innocent, why are you pleading the fifth? So you're going to have to forgive me, Donnie, but I don't give a fuck what your lawyer says. You, per your own volition, 
are the smartest man in the room, right? Biggest brain, best words. When people ask, whose counsel will you be keeping as president? You said your own. You pointed to the heavens and said, I'm the chosen one. You said, I alone can fix it. And you also said, if you're innocent, you don't take the fifth. Only people who are guilty plead the fifth. So fuck what your lawyer said. Grow a fucking set and actually answer questions. But you didn't. For over four hours, you pled the fifth over 440 times. And here's how fucking stupid you are, Donald. In a criminal case, pleading the fifth cannot be used as an admission of guilt. In a civil case... It absolutely can and often does get used as an omission of guilt. The case in New York is a civil case against your company. A civil case. And you just pled the fifth 440 plus times. That is an admission of guilt. I would start moving as much shit out of all of your businesses as you possibly can because the state of New York is about to seize your little empire, break it off, and sell it off piece by piece. And I can only hope, hope, that when they seize Mar-a-Lago, they turn it into a battered women's shelter. I, I can only hope that that's the end result of that property. The man is incapable of telling the truth. Incapable. Which is why he has to plead the fifth after admonishing every single other person that's ever pled the fifth. I mean, you guys saw that one coming a mile away, right? You knew he wasn't going to go in there and tell the truth, answer some questions. You knew he was going to go in there and just start pleading the fifth after all of that bullshit about the Fifth Amendment that he spewed in rally after rally after rally after rally. But even that wasn't the biggest story of the week. Even Trump walking into a a, a deposition uh, in the New York Attorney General's office and pleading the Fifth over 400 times, even that wasn't the biggest story of the week. The biggest story of the week is, without a question, the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago and removing 12 boxes of documents. FBI agents executed a search warrant on Monday at Trump's private residence at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach, Florida. The raid was reportedly part of an investigation into whether the former president mishandled classified information after leaving the White House, something that he has railed away against other people for doing even when they didn't do it. While Trump returned some materials to the National Archives seven months ago, federal authorities had reportedly grown concerned that Trump and his team weren't being fully forthcoming and hadn't actually returned all of the government property. Trump broke the news of the raid himself, complaining in a statement Monday evening that the, quote, unannounced raid, yeah, that's typically how they work, dumbass, quote, was not necessary or appropriate, end quote, and that the FBI agents, quote, even broke into my safe, end quote. Well, don't keep classified government documents in your safe and it won't get broken into, Tiger. Trump was in New York when the search occurred, preparing to plead the fifth 440 times, and he did not acknowledge in his statement what federal agents were searching for. The agents were looking for evidence related to classified documents that Trump allegedly took to Mar-a-Lago after leaving office. In January, the National Archives and Records Administration retrieved 15 boxes of documents and items from Mar-a-Lago that agency officials said Trump should have handed over to the archives when he left the White House. The National Archives reportedly found what appeared to be classified information among the materials it retrieved and alerted the Justice Department, which opened a grand jury investigation into the matter. Christina Bob, a Trump lawyer and former OAN anchor, told the Washington Post that Trump's legal team was in contact with the Justice Department about the investigation this spring. 
At that time, Trump's lawyers searched through the boxes and turned over some materials that they thought might be presidential records. The Miami Herald reports that FBI agents suspected Trump was still unlawfully holding classified information at Mar-a-Lago and were able to establish probable cause and obtain a search warrant from a federal magistrate judge in West Palm Beach, Florida, to find it. As the New York Times notes, it's unclear, quote, whether the search was carried out simply to ensure that the documents and other material were properly turned over to the archives, or if it was possible, a possible precursor to uh, prosecution of Mr. Trump for mishandling classified material or obstructing efforts to get it back, or both. Both the FBI and DOJ have declined to comment on the raid uh, or the investigation, according to multiple news organizations. Uh, But then Merrick Garland held a press conference in which he said he wanted to release the, uh, the details of the warrant, providing that the target of the warrant, Mr. Trump, did not object. In other words, the warrant talks about what they were looking for. Talks about what they were looking for, where they were looking for, why they were looking for it, and Trump could put all this shit to bed by just releasing the warrant. So now we're going to find out if Trump is going to block the release of the information of the warrant so that the country doesn't find out specifically what it is that they were looking for. Federal agents pulled about a dozen boxes out of Mar-a-Lago, and it is now being reported, and this is stunning today, that the information contained within was actually in regards to our nuclear capabilities. It's not the nuclear codes, okay? That's not what would have been in there. But it could have been a number of different items containing uh, nuclear information about our nuclear capabilities and our arsenal. It could have been location of silos. It could have been uh, our enrichment processes. It could have been a number of things that he had sitting in a fucking safe in Mar-a-Lago since he left the office almost two years ago. So what can happen to Trump if convicted of a crime? Well, uh, he can see a fine. He can see a few years in jail. And he can be disqualified from running for office, although that would surely get contested and make its way to the Supreme Court. Well, the Supreme Court would have to uh, look back at a case from 1969, Powell v. McCormack, where uh, uh, Congress refused to seat somebody Uh, that was elected to their office based on alleged crimes. Uh, The person was uh, uh, from New York, Adam Clayton, a Democrat. And uh, Congress said that uh, that he had, quote, deceived the House authorities as to travel expenses and made illegal payments to his wife while he chaired a congressional committee. The court, however, ruled that Congress had only limited power to exclude a duly elected member that it deemed ineligible for office. And the reason why it said so is because of the parameters put forth in the Constitution that lay out what you need to do to qualify to run for the House. And it doesn't say you can't run for the House if convicted of a crime. You can't run for House if convicted of X, Y, or Z. But here's the thing. The Presidential Records Act didn't get passed until 1978. It didn't go into effect until January 20th, 1981, the day Ronald Reagan got sworn into office. Of course it wouldn't be in the Constitution. Not every fucking law that governs our day-to-day lives is going to be found in the Constitution. We've passed a few since the signing of the Constitution, you know. And not every law ends up going and being a constitutional amendment. And the law states that he can be banned from running for office. It states whoever, whoever should be convicted of mishandling, destroying, illegally removing from yada, 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 these documents can be barred from ever running for public office in the United States of America again. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Department of Justice actually does with this information and the documentation that they pulled from them. And if it's nuclear information, if it's got information about our nuclear enrichment capabilities, if it's got information about our nuclear arsenal, then I want to hear from the Trump supporters who kept talking about how this was a grotesque overreach of federal power. And I want you to defend 
any president keeping nuclear information in some fucking safe at a country club in Florida. I defy you to defend that. And this isn't the only ripple effect that's going to be seen here. We've already seen one massive negative ripple effect from this raid. Why? Because Trump and his cronies and everybody on the far right is all over social media and all over right-wing radio and all over Fox News and OAN talking about how this is a rogue FBI that's out to imprison its political enemies and this is now a banana republic in a third world country and what's the end result of all of that bullshit? An armed man who tries to storm the FBI office in Cincinnati, Ohio on Thursday before getting into a shootout with cops that left him dead in Ohio cornfield. The man who conducted that attempted raid on the Cincinnati FBI office appears to be a conspiracy-addled Trump superfan who told his followers on Truth Social that he was, quote, ready for combat, end quote, after the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago on Monday. The domestic terrorist was identified as 42-year-old Ricky Schiffer, according to the Ohio State Police. Two days before Schiffer embarked on his failed breach, an account under the same name on Truth Social foreshadowed an attack, calling an attack, calling for followers to quote, kill the FBI on sight, end quote, in the wake of the raid on former Trump's Florida estate. I guess back the blue goes right out the window when it comes to the dear leader, doesn't it? In his bio on Truth Social, Schiffer identified himself as an electrician based in Columbus, Ohio, who had multiple social media accounts uh, put on lock uh, for his comments. Quote, people, this is it, the account posted. Quote, I hope a call to arms comes from someone better qualified, but if not, this is your call to arms from me. Leave work tomorrow as soon as the gun shop slash Army Navy store slash pawn shop opens. Get whatever you need to be ready for combat. We must not tolerate this. Then, a post timestamped 9.29 a.m. on Thursday, about 15 minutes after a man with a rifle tried to breach a visiting uh, screening part of the FBI office, said, quote, Well, I thought I had a way through bulletproof glass, and I didn't. If you don't hear from me, it's true that I tried attacking the FBI, and it'll mean either I was taken off the internet, the FBI got me, or they sent the regular cops. Schiffer was shot dead in a rural Ohio cornfield around 4.30 p.m. Thursday, said uh, Ohio State Patrol Lieutenant Nathan Dennis. He said that hours of non-lethal tactics failed before the 42-year-old was gunned down. Schiffer was shot dead in a rural Ohio cornfield around 4.30 p.m. He said that uh, the suspect did raise a firearm towards law enforcement and shots were fired by law enforcement officers on the scene. Dennis said after announcing his call to arms Tuesday, a user asked Schiffer if he was, quote, promoting terrorism, end quote. Schiffer's account replied, quote, no, I am proposing war. Be ready to kill the enemy not mass shootings where leftists go, not lighting buses on fire with transsexuals in them, not finding people with leftist signs in their yards and beating them up, the Post said. Violence is not all terrorism. Kill the FBI on site and be ready to take down other active enemies of the people and those who try to prevent you from doing it. And therein, you have an encapsulation of the entire Trumplandia mentality. Trump says that a legal act against him is an overreach of a tyrannical government gone amok, and some fucking asshole grabs his gun and heads to the local FBI office to just start slaughtering FBI agents. Now, luckily for us, luckily, 
These fucking Trumpers are too incompetent to know how to carry out their plan. They were too incompetent to know that they had the numbers on January 6th to actually accomplish their goal. They're too incompetent to know that when they send their little pipe bombs through the mail, they do it improperly. And they're too incompetent to know that, hey, the FBI office at my local city might have some bulletproof glass that I can't get through. So thankfully, they're too fucking stupid to carry out their plans. But boy, they're trying. Back the blue? Just another bullshit slogan to these assholes. Support the police? Only when it suits their needs. Otherwise, as you see here, slaughter them all. Kill them all. That is the Trumper mentality. Luckily, more of them than not don't have the balls to actually follow through with what's going on inside their tiny little fucking brains. I know some of these assholes. I know three percenters in my own life. And that's the only thing stopping these motherfuckers from actually carrying through with something like this. They don't have the balls to do it. Because they're all talk. It's all about getting the next shirt with 1776 on. It's all about getting the next shirt with don't tread on me on. It's all about making sure you got enough flags on your fucking house. And it's all about making sure you run your fucking mouth on social media without ever following through with anything you ever say you're going to do. Because you're a ball of sack of wonder. And now this motherfucker is dead. My initial response, one less of these dumb fucks in the world to deal with. But my question to Trumpers, as I posed in a video uh, that will be released later on this morning on TikTok, is how many of you motherfuckers need to be put in the ground before you realize that Donald Trump will lie every last one of you motherfuckers into coffins in order to save his own ass? You're still believing in the lies. And here's the fucked up part. And if any Trumpers are actually listening to this, or anybody knows a Trumper, send them at least this part of the podcast. What you don't realize, what you don't see, is that you're holding on until it's too late. Remember, the people in Jonestown, they never woke up and went, hey, this seems a bit off. They followed them right off the fucking cliff. And it appears as if Trumpers are getting ready to do the same fucking thing. But you have a chance to wake up and see reality. You have a chance to not ruin your life or end up like half the people that were at January 6th, which, oh, by the way, this gentleman was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th as well, or end up like this gentleman himself, dead in a cornfield, because you listened to a habitual liar tell you more lies and get you amped up. These people have to be the most simple-minded fucks on the planet. I'm a high school dropout that doesn't know shit about fuck half the time, and I can tell you that these people are, and I'm sorry to say it, but it is true, legitimately fucking stupid. Legitimately fuck, they're idiots. They're dumber than a fucking tree stump. They will believe anything other than the truth. Anything other than the truth. It's not possible that Trump could have possibly had uh, classified documents uh, illegally uh, in his home, right? That's not even close to a realm of possibility. Never mind the fact that when the archives initially asked for the documents back, he voluntarily turned over 15 boxes of documents he should have never had. It can't can't even be a possibility that there was an additional 12 boxes, right? No, it's got to be that the entirety of the DOJ, the entirety of the FBI, and a federal judge all are corrupt and in cahoots to bring down Trump. And apparently they pulled 12 boxes of nothing out of Mar-a-Lago. The shit you fucking cultists will believe is sickening. And it is literally killing you.
How many more seven-year prison sentences need to be handed out? How many more uh, cosplatriots need to wind up dead in a cornfield before you realize you are being lied into the grave? It's unbelievable cultism on display. It doesn't matter what reality you show them. It doesn't matter what evidence you show them. It do, you could have had all 70-whatever million Trump voters lined up at the front door of Mar-a-Lago as the FBI agents were coming out, and they could have showed them all of the documentation page by page that they were removing, and they still would have looked at it and went, fake news. And that's what it's going to be. That's the problem. The, like I said, the Jonestown people, they never woke up. They just followed them right off the cliff. And that's what the Trumpers are going to do. It's going to be a fucking nuclear weapon coming into the United States of America from the sky. And these motherfuckers are going to look up and go, fake news. Right to the bitter end. It's not fake news. It's not a conspiracy. It's not a deep state cabal. Your boy is a criminal and a habitual liar. Period. Full fucking stop. This isn't the last guy that's going to try this shit. This isn't the only guy out there that has this thought process in his head. And the more they push this bullshit, the more the Marjorie Taylor Greens and Lauren Boeberts and Jim Jordans and Matt Gates's of the world continue to push this bullshit, the more they're going to get these simple-minded, inbred cousin fuckers to believe their bullshit and go out and cause damage like this. Go out and try to slaughter FBI agents in mass like this. Newsflash, assholes, you're gonna fucking lose. You've already lost. You just don't know it yet. So, we're gonna continue to see people throw their lives away or lose their lives for more Trump lives. Congratulations on being part of the fucking problem. What really pisses me off is that I have family members that buy into his bullshit. If people who are friends that I otherwise trust and respect right here in my own community that buy into this bullshit. That can't see past their own fucking nose any of the lies that Donald Trump fucking tells them. Trump could take the uh, truth social today and tell him water isn't wet and the sky isn't blue and these motherfuckers would believe every fucking word he said. They would march in the battle in lockstep behind him over a fucking lie. And all of it, all of it is just to protect Trump. It's got nothing to do with the betterment of the country. It's got nothing to do with the betterment of the economy. It's got nothing to do with the betterment of our foreign policy. It's only got to do with the betterment of of Donald Trump, saving Trump's ass, and you motherfuckers are buying into all of it, and it's costing you your lives. Wake the fuck up. This dude couldn't get past the fucking lobby, and now he's dead. Over what appears to be hidden nuclear classified documents at a golf club in Florida. The stupidity is off the fucking charts. Off the fucking charts. I I don't even know what else to say about that story. Such a fucking waste of life for 
a waste of life. This is what a truly gifted con man can do to a rather large group of people. People make the comparison all the time, and I'm going to make it right now. You wonder how Hitler got the people of Germany to go along with his bullshit and just march lockstep with him in the idea of locking up and incinerating a group of people that you disagreed with? Well, you're watching it right now. You're not watching the incineration and the, and the mass extinction of a group of people. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. What you're watching is the practice of getting people to buy into your propaganda for your purposes in mass. You're seeing how people can convince people to do evil things, bad things, and believe the worst of the worst, even though it's not true. This world, and more specifically, the United States of America, will be a far better place, an infinitely better place, the moment Donald J. Trump finally takes his last breath, whenever that may be. And as much as I hate Donald Trump, I hope that that comes naturally and not by the hands of somebody. But the moment he takes his last breath, this country will instantly improve tenfold. He is a corrosive element on our society. He is a destructive force in our nature. And he only, only serves to bring out the worst in people. You're in a fucking cult. Wake the fuck up. All right, folks, that's all I got for you this week. As always, don't forget to hit the website. Uh, Don't forget to hit my Beacons link in any of my social media pages. Uh, People kept asking me, can we tip you? You're entertaining us for free. I finally put my cash information up there. You want to cash at me? A tip, you want to PayPal me or Venmo me a tip? Still weird uh, putting that stuff up there, but it's up there now. Uh, other people asked, well, how, do you not have an Amazon wish list? Yeah, motherfucker, I got an Amazon wish list just like anybody else. Went ahead and made that public too. You're not going to like the items on there because I got expensive tastes. Once again, I am a, I am a domesticated indoor cat, you know. I got shit on there like a $700 iPad and a fucking $900 uh, Blackstone griddle. So you want to send me something off my wish list, knock your fucking self out. I don't think you're going to find many things on there you're going to want to purchase for me. But uh, you can if you go to the Beacons link on my social media pages. I'll try and get that on my website at some point in time. But uh, as always, uh, go swing by the website, check it all out, and tune in next week for another episode. And until then, stay grateful.